0: Hello, and welcome to Table Talk Friday, your weekly dose of D&D hosted by three boys in a bedroom. If you like their style, you can follow them on Instagram, YouTube, and other social media platforms. And now,
1: back to the boys. So, yeah, no, I I was listening to the episode, and I was you know a little a little surprised to find out that okay maybe maybe i'm wrong on this topic you know i might be incorrect a hot dog may in fact be its own thing you know but i don't know what
0: arguments you heard to to sway your opinion but i think just you know from a a general standpoint we both agree and here's the thing that that sways me to believe that a hot dog is in fact a sandwich we agree that a sub sandwich definitely a sandwich different thing yeah 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 but but it's a you know it's got the bread it's connected on one side it's open on the other
1: and you know it's nothing form factor wise like a regular meat. two piece it's of bread the, it, sandwich. it's still the meat man you know the type the way the meat is if you if i i was listening to this and i'm i'm still unsure i on to be honest i am still unsure whether or not a hot dog is in fact a sandwich but I, I, when listening to the guy talk about it, if we were to, in fact, cut that hot dog into small slices and then put it inside of a hot dog bun and throw in, you know, or even, and that's it, you've got a sub sandwich. But with the hot dog, the cylindrical hot dog tube, what that hot dog itself is, it makes it a hot dog. A hot dog doesn't even have to have a bun. A hot dog is just that piece of meat.
0: I disagree entirely. You're you're telling me that a a cheeseburger is not a sandwich because it's all one... No. What? I disagree say that. completely. No, I
1: didn't say that because I, I would say that I'm not an expert in this field and uh, everybody should just go listen to a Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the podcast five-part series <laughs> that they're making on it because uh, we are in no way associated with Mythical, but it's a very good podcast.
2: But I have a good question though, Zach. Would you call a meatball sub a meatball sandwich? I mean... If you want to get technical, yeah, it is a
0: sandwich. A is an subbed. open-faced
1: sandwich a sandwich? Mm.
0: Yeah, it's got sandwich in the name. No, call
1: it... I would disagree. I feel like the fact that you have to call it an open-faced sandwich means it's not a sandwich at all. Like, the fact that you have to say, oh, it's an open-faced one of these. It's not a sandwich.
0: Well, yeah, yeah so the the whole open-faced sandwich idea, you know, I don't know if I necessarily even subscribe to that notion, I guess, because what, what you've ultimately created is,
1: a pizza. Know, <laughs> or or like a
0: piece of bread with something on it. Yeah. Like, you know, peanut butter toast, Real- jelly toast.
1: Realistically, these are debates that I hate um, when listening. <laughs> I love listening to people have them, but I hate being a part of them. Because it, every time that I'm a part of one of these debates or someone asks me these questions, I'm like, I don't care. I stop caring when I'm a part of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> anytime someone debates my point, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm okay, like, I'm not passionate about about that one thing. Like if someone came up to me and debated me on, you know, D&D ethics, then I'd be like, "All right, let's throw hands." But like someone comes up to me and is like, "Seth, is a hot dog a sandwich?" I go, "I mean, no." And then they and then they're like, "Actually, it is because this this and this reason." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. I mean, ultimately the stakes are super low here, yeah. right? Like I I'm not whatever
0: Bullshit! I come up with for this answer. (laughs) It's not the actual answer. It's just something I came up with on the spot.
1: Do you remember the amount of times in college we would have debates like this, though, at the table, and everybody would be so heated and passionate, and I would go, uh, I would always get to a point where I'm like, I don't even know what to say next. He's he's not changing his opinion, so why do I care? (laughs) See, that's that's the
2: crazy thing though. This this situation, this conversation has no actual relevance but people get so passionate about it oh yeah it's like no if i if i put the hot dog in this type of bread it's it's like it
1: has no relevance to anything we're talking about oh yeah <laughs> so a lot's been happening lately guys How how's everybody doing today i'm not even i'm not doing the intro yet because i'm not ready so how's everybody doing i'm doing
2: pretty good over here i'm a little wet it did rain on me for about five to ten minutes it's so been, you know
1: so rainy yeah a little
2: bit i'm a little <laughs> soaked i had to change my shoes my socks were a little squishy but we're good. We're good to go.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I am, I'm just doing, I'm doing weird today.
1: Doing weird? Yeah, you know, like I'm not
0: bad, but I'm not great, you
1: know? It's just been a long week, I think. I'll say, it's been, it's been a very stressful time. Like, I, um, I had tryouts for my kids for my competitive team today, and it went great. I got to pick the kids and I'm going to spend like the next nine months training, like two times a week, training these kids for like the next nine months. Crazy, because the, The season ends next like April. So yeah, I'm going to be with these kids for a very long time, you know, training them, spending, you know, five to seven to 10 hours a week, making sure they're ready for competitions and then going and participating and coaching these competitions with them. It's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure. I was very nervous going into work today to do these tryouts. So spending the full nine months with these kids, do you
2: feel like they are your kids? Because you're basically going through motherhood at this point.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, it, the fact that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm missing, you know, all their toddlerhood, their babyhood, mm-hmm. but I've, I've got right in around that junior to preteen to teenager age, so I'd say I'm basically their father. You're like the ninja mom, the <laughs> ninja dad. No,
0: yeah. no, no, no. You're, you're like their, their sensei, right? You're their anime Ooh. coach. You're gonna teach them ah. how to, how to fight, you know, friggin' Vegeta or something. I don't know. No, I'm gonna teach them how to swing from bars.
1: Yeah, <laughs> against Vegeta. I, <laughs> speaking of that, did you see the YouTube, um, the YouTube short that someone made? It was like an 11 minute thing called Legends, and it's a Dragon Ball short. This one team um, of like a couple of guys worked tirelessly on this thing, and it is just the most well animated fan project I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely I've seen little snippets of it. It's in my watch later on YouTube because you know I still. I'm just always filling up my watch later. I've got like 2,000 plus videos in there that I'm yeah. never going to watch. But <laughs> but I'll probably watch this one because it's been on my mind. Um,
1: but yeah, no, it, it looks really cool. It's so well done. I've only seen probably like two or three minutes of it in total. But watching those couple of minutes of the fight scenes, I was like, oh my God, if only they were actually looked like this. If only a single Dragon Ball fight was as cool as this one. Uh, uh, all right, all right, all right. But... The Broly movie did look better than
0: that. Oh, well, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, with funding. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, whenever they've they've got actual, you know, money and time to put into it, it actually looks okay.
1: Right. But not the show so much. And I'll say, I was having a great time this week uh, until last night, whenever... <sighs> I got I got a Retroid Pocket two Plus. It's a little emulation machine which I downloaded all my games legally. Allegedly, I may have gone on a few websites that I didn't download a single thing off of, because I'm a good boy. Um, but I've been playing this Retroid Pocket Two Plus and I have Chrono Trigger on it. And I was playing last night, Drew and I are having a little conversation on the couch, uh, you know, arms around each other, embracing. And a little kissing. <laughs> <A> little kissing, <laughs> little touching. And um, we're we're having a conversation. I set the Retroid Pocket down on the armrest. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, no problem. Um, I'll pick that back up in a second. Pause the game. Pick it back up. Drew and I finish our conversation. He goes in the other room. I pick it back up. And now the left thumbstick is dragging to the right just a little bit. And I'm like, well, that's not normal. Let me go into the calibration settings and, you know, mess with that. I, you know, navigate my way over to the calibration settings using the thumbstick. And then open the calibration settings and start to calibrate and all of a sudden it's just not responding. And I'm like, what's happening here? Why can't I get the the thumbstick to respond? And I spent about two hours last night trying to navigate this issue because even though I can play all of Chrono Trigger with the D-pad as I have been, um, I didn't want to. I was like, I need this thing working 100% or I'm not using it. And so I'm sitting here playing on it, messing with it for multiple hours trying to contact support but I don't know what time it is in China so they can't really get back to me. And so I'm like... (sighs) and I finally stop at, like, 10 o'clock. I'm like, I give up. I'm not playing this thing right now. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, And I set it down, and I haven't been able to figure it out since. I've only had it for, like, five days. I got my whole gaming history in one little spot, and the left analog stick isn't working. So I downloaded RetroArch uh, on my computer and copied all the files over. And so now I have the exact same thing running on my computer just in case I want to play right now. (laughs) I mean... That sucks, but so
0: is there a D pad on it though? Yeah, a really good D pad.
2: Why don't you use the D pad? Because the left stick needs to
1: be working. You could, but I see the principle. The 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 principle. You spent the the money on it, so you
2: want it working. I I I feel that. I spent the money and
1: three days working on making it work. Yeah, and then I finally got it working perfectly. Decided the first game I'm going to play is Chrono Trigger. I get a third of the way through the game, and all of a sudden it's not working, and I'm. And I'm not upset. It was only a $100 machine. It's great. I love it. And I'm sure my warranty is still good on it for like another week. So as long as I can get a contact from support before then, then, you know, I'm I'm still square. They'll either, you know, take it back and send me a new one or whatever. I can literally just download all the files again and copy them. I know how to do it now that I've done it. So I would just have to reset up my hotkeys and everything. So it's did, not- you, did you try power cycling it though? I have restarted it, oh, okay. uh, turned it off for the entire night, turned it back on the next morning and it, nothing is... Nothing is working, so I'm assuming, like, maybe the ribbon on the inside messed up or a software bug hit, um, but, like, I didn't touch it, and then then it just stopped working, so it might... Does it have to be a software thing at this point? Because I'm I'm not sure.
0: Well, have you tried leaving it in rice? Have you blown in it really hard?
1: <laughs> no. Have you wiped it down with alcohol? The, the thumbstick is readily... Like, I can see it right there. There's nothing, like it like right right but but have you given it a bath <sighs> i need to clean it off really well get that sickness out you know yeah i, I this mean, guy might have a little virus going on
0: it, it could be a software thing i you know i wouldn't know unless you you know take the thing out but maybe there's just like a little piece of dust in there or something maybe it's not even from you you know yeah like it, it just got there before
1: yeah it just I was really looking forward to this machine. There is a rumored retroid Pocket 3 coming out in the future and uh, that I will purchase because I think the form factor is so cool and now I'm getting into this emu- like emulation world where I'm like, oh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, just messing with these old games. I'm trying to get a list of like gaming history together so that I can like go back and play some some games that I missed out on because I wasn't born yet. And so that I'm like, okay, these are games that, you know, made the games that we're seeing now. So, you know, before God of War Ragnarok came out, which just got a release date this week, boom, boom. Um, before that comes out, I have some other stuff to play. For sure. I mean,
0: so... And this might be a controversial opinion as well. I I did try and play the old God of War games uh, a while ago. It was before the the PS4 God of War came right. out. And, um, and the first one is just... You know, it, they, they really did something with that game. Um, and that something that they did is they really wanted you to mash that circle button a lot <laughs> I think because it's cha- pretty
1: much just, just quick time events. I think chains of Olympus on PSP is supposed to be really good. Is it? Yeah. is what I've heard. Um, like just action wise. So I, I had that downloaded on the retroid pocket. So, you know, I, at, at some point I'll get to play it. Hopefully, uh, it's supposed to be, it, it was running persona three. Great. And you know, I was looking forward to playing persona three before it comes out on Xbox and ps5 um here in the future but i'm just gonna have to wait again i'm i'm a little disappointed that i'm gonna have to wait again to for this machine because i waited so long and worked on it for so long now i know how to get it up and running and how to do everything but still
2: but what you were saying though is that there's a new version coming out correct yes and your current one that you just got went bad on prime day correct yeah. So you could have bought the newest one, Seth. It
1: hasn't been announced. It, it's not even up for pre-order. You could have pre-ordered it, Seth. Pre- no, it's not, even,
2: it's not even up for pre-order. Pre, pre, pre-order. And I Put bought the money plenty. Down, give I, it bought, to the I bought a new bidet,
1: Drew. <sighs> what a good
2: trade. It, it was a good <laughs> trade. It's great. I mean, I, I think
0: better machine than what you already have versus keep your butt clean. It's really a toss-up. <gasps> yeah, I mean, I've got a really clean butt. <laughs> <laughs> But you hear that, ladies? Seth Pittman <laughs> is single and his ass cheeks so uh, no, clean. no no no. It's
1: the whole butthole, dude. It's so <laughs> clean down there. It, bidet is the best investment you can make in 2022. Listen to me, folks on the outside. I wasn't a believer. I thought, weird, why would I put a why would I put a spray bottle on, on my Um, Or why would I put a hose on my toilet? Why would I do that? I have toilet paper, what I've grown up with my entire life, the perfect sanitary stuff. But I was wrong because bidets are the future. Bidets are what we've all needed our entire lives. And bidets are the reason there is corruption in this country. (gasps) (laughs) Did you think it was going there? No. (laughs) Would you care to elaborate? (laughs) I'm just saying that if every politician had a bidet on their toilet, everyone would be a lot nicer to each other. Oh, okay. So, so the lack of bidets <laughs> the, the is, lack, is the cause The for, lack of bidets. Yeah, the lack <laughs> of bidets, you know. I, I'm yeah, sorry, guys. I'm still going through need, puberty. We need more bidets in order to survive, to thrive, because everyone needs a clean butthole. And you are really, you're really getting around a lot of uncleanliness by having one. Toilet paper is just inefficient. You save money by using a bidet. I use like one roll every couple of weeks because of my bidet. It's more about
2: the time you save, though. While you're sitting there in the toilet getting your butthole cleaned, you could reach over to your wall-mounted Retroid that you have next to the toilet, pull it off, and play a quick game.
1: Efficiency, exactly. I could be getting my butt cleaned while playing Chrono Trigger. You know what I can't do that with? I can't do that with toilet paper because I have to have my hands occupied. Oh, and what about when you have those like really bad poops and you reach down and it, you get a little bit on your hand? Don't have to worry about that with a bidet now, do you? Because you're washed. You're clean. You do a little security wipe right at the end with the toilet paper just to make sure that you're nice and dry and it's boom. You're back out playing D&D with the boys.
0: You know, at, at some point we are going to talk about D&D on this podcast today. Um <laughs> but, but every time you talk about the bidet, like... Uh, I'm I'm pro bidet. I have one in my closet. I haven't set it up. <laughs> That's I, how Drew is. But, but every time that I talk to you about it, it just <laughs> it makes me a little more uncomfortable
1: about using a bidet. <laughs> it's because I think it's so funny that I get I get fake passionate about it. I'm not this passionate about, but I mean I love bidets. Yeah, you and gotta it, commit to the bit,
0: Seth. They're not gonna believe you. I am
1: so I love bidets so much. Um, I I can never go again without one. I left one for. Uh, Malik and Georges, I, I told them, I was like, hey, you that is yours. I paid $5 <laughs> for it, and you get to keep it. And also, it's broken in this way. Anytime <laughs> – it's so funny. <laughs> I, I was showing them this morning. I was like, listen, when you're sitting on the toilet and you want to use the bidet, sometimes it doesn't work because it gets caught on the lip of the toilet seat. So what you have to do is you have to do a little hip thrust forward, and, all, and then it pops out, and it hits you in the butthole. And it's <laughs> – <laughs> You're sitting on the toilet. And you have to do like a, and then, and then it sprays, and it, its so funny. Every time I do it in the bathroom by myself, I laugh. I'm like, <laughs> 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 it's been giving me enjoyment for the last like year. So why I was like, you guys can have my five dollar bidet. I just ordered a forty-five dollar one on Prime Day. Uh, well, it was—it was like ninety bucks, but I got it for like forty-five bucks instead. High
0: quality bidet.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those. I think it's one of the Tushy bidets, or no, it might be a different brand. Tushy bidets. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, they're like one of the one of those bidet companies that advertises on the internet for like YouTubers and podcasts. Oh. They're like, hey, buy a Tushy bidet and keep your butthole clean. I hope it's one of those futuristic. Please sponsor ones. us, Tushy. I will be your biggest <laughs> advocate. I will be the Santa Claus of bidets. We get no actual, <laughs> no actual Dungeons and Dragons sponsors. Just bidets and random drinks. I will that we be talk the about. Santa Claus of bidets. I want, I want a bidet that has like a D twenty like tip on the end of the sprayer, <gasps> and so it pops down with a D twenty and,
2: <laughs> and then every time you use it, it spins and it will land on a random number, so it's like rolling. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if it
0: lands on a one, then it just sprays everywhere and it gets your. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh my god! You're like taking a chance every time. I love this. <laughs>
2: So, so, I agree wholeheartedly. Zach, I, too, have a bidet sitting that I just don't want to install. It's like, ah, I'm not sure about it. It takes like 30 but minutes. if I could roll a one and it would just spray everywhere, I would hook it up. <laughs> I, would, I absolutely would. You I guys, would not.
1: It, it, I cannot <laughs> believe that both of you have bidets just sitting in your closets, that you are missing out on the 21st century innovation of, of the century. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... I
2: think is that you're so open about it, Seth, because I want it to be, like, my little secret. Like, oh, this is you my little bidet. you know how much
1: fun I have going to family <laughs> gatherings? And uh, any time my family comes over and, like, you know, my mom and my sister are just standing there, uh, they go in the bathroom, I go, hey, make sure you use the bidet, you'll have the cleanest butthole ever. And then they're just like, Seth! And I'm like, what? You will? And then I go to, like, a family gathering and I'm like, yeah, but do you, someone will say something. I'll be like, yeah, but, like, is there a bidet in your bathroom? And, like, because I, I, treat, I treat my family like I treat you guys. And so, you know, just for, for all the listeners, I treat my family as I treat everyone, you know, they're just my friends. And so I, to, I, I'll be at a family gathering and they'll be having a conversation and then I'll just bring up out of nowhere. I'll be like, yeah, but you got a bidet on your toilet. And they'll, they'll be like, no Some of them don't even know what it is They're like What is that And I'm like Oh my god It's like you put a hose On the end of your toilet And it sprays you right in the butthole And just washes it right off Like you're so clean afterwards And so I told my, my aunt um, I was going to say fiance But they're married now Her husband I was like Hey uh, Aunt's fiance Husband Eric um, I've got a really clean butthole <laughs> 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 He was like, what? And I said, Yeah, I'm kind of a bidet guy. No big deal. <laughs> and we had a whole conversation about it. He was like, Oh yeah, you actually have one. I was like, Yeah, they're the best. And we had a a very, you know, I'm I'm very passionate about this, as you can see.
2: Maybe what makes people uncomfortable, and don't let me speak for you, Zach, here, but maybe it's the idea that you use the word butthole. Because I hear someone saying, Oh, I'm gonna wipe my butt or I have them. to wipe, I mean, you know, I'm gonna go poop. That's not a big deal, but I'm gonna spray my butthole.
1: It, it it's off settling. Sorry, I have a clean rectum. <laughs>
2: See that's better. Like if you said that, <laughs> I might have sold the bidet. If you say that. You um, know uh, you know no, I think I have think... a very clean rectum, sir. The accent does help. I definitely will give it it definitely helps.
1: I think the word rectum is uh it, it's a no go for me. I think it's
2: worse. Yeah really? personally. I think really? butthole
1: is way funnier. It's like butthole I say for the comedic value because I want you guys to laugh at what I'm saying. Rectum is like uh it's like, it's like oh, yeah, I've got the cleanest rectum out there. Ew, why'd you say that? You know, I could see people <laughs> reacting in that way. When I say butthole, people are like, what? What did you just say? Yeah, exactly. Butthole's a word that children might say. Exactly.
0: It, it's you inoffensive. Butthole. But, you know, if you talk, and I'm sorry to everyone listening at home to bring this up again, but you're messy poops. <laughs> <laughs> and how much this helps i'm like you know i think my messy poops need to be between me and god thank you (laughs) and your bidet
1: god's gift to man (laughs) welcome to table talk friday my name is seth fitman and this week we're gonna be talking about dice (laughs) we're gonna
0: talk about dice love that we're just jumping right in no chance
1: to cut that out (laughs) We're we're gonna be talking about dice um which, Drew and I were talking on the way over to Zach's apartment, which we are recording at Zach's place now. Very fun. Um, last last week, I guess, yeah, it would have been our last episode in the old apartment. Um, <laughs> but, we're going to be talking all about dice today, and Drew and I had a couple of topics we would like to bring up on this. Um, starting with, I want to bring up the superstition that some dice are better than others, and whether or not we believe in it uh, is my, my top priority for today, because... I am a person who doesn't really believe in superstition. I've never really thought a whole lot about superstition. And I want to play devil's advocate because I know both of you are going to wholeheartedly go, yes, dice have luck, dice have this, dice are magical. And I hate to say it, fellas, I do have the feeling that I'm going to roll something and I get it. You know, we we know very often that I'll call a roll and it'll happen and it's really crazy. Like, I'll be like, ooh, sorry, pal. They roll into one and I go, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh I do stuff like that all the time and it's very funny. Or the odds that you roll a 20 and then a one back back to back and it hap, it happens so much. I don't know how it happens so much. That's like what, a 2.5% chance or something like that that you roll a 20 and 1 back to back like that. It might even be lower. Yeah, Um, it it would be multiplicative. So like 5% 5 times 5%. Yeah, so that would be very low. Yes. Um, And the the odds that you roll those those two things back to back are very low but it happens all the time i'd say that every like 3 or 4 sessions we have someone do that crazy crazy that you have a 2001 roll back to back but logically i can't believe that there's anything in these little pl- pieces of plastic i can't believe that there's something going on unless it's just the shape of the actual die that's messing with it whether there's a weight on the inside i don't know how these things work but they're not magical or there's not luck in them, why? So
2: I can't I can't fully back you here because I definitely I
1: definitely believe in the luck of the
2: die. It's a real thing. It it and absolutely I've seen happens. It happen. I've seen it. It I've really seen it. truly happens at the table and it's awful and great. But to your point, logically, I wonder if because you think about it happening every few sessions, is it just that you're hyper focusing on this really cool thing that's no. happening? Because you're not gonna hyper focus on rolling like a seven and a three. But does it happen? Yes. About the same odds as rolling a twenty and a one, right? So I wonder if it's like a, like a placebo effect kind of a thing. If you're thinking about it because you're seeing it, you know?
0: Right. Well, so it, we, we say that every face of the die has the same, you know, percent chance of occurring, which in a vacuum. Yeah. Like that, that is true. Right. But there are other factors that impact the dice. I mean, we talked about the inside makeup. You can take a die, and you know any hardcore D anD D players out there have seen videos online of this. Uh, you know people testing their dice. You put it in a, a cup of water, uh, put some salt in it, stir it around, put your die in there, and it will routinely return to one specific face because, uh, or or you know if it's if it's a uh, an impure die, right? It'll return to the same face um, just because the internal makeup is uh, is rolled that way. So. I don't know if in practice that really affects, like, obviously we're not playing D&D in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, what uh, aspect of the, you know, the, the salt water is causing it to, to roll in that way. I think it, it, the, the odds of it landing on the, you know, uh, the same thing over and over based on the internal makeup, I'm sure there's some truth to that. But I think more than that, it depends on how you lay your die. On the, on the table, and how you, you know, mix it up before
2: you roll, right? Now, how do you guys lay your dice? So, I know Zach has a very specific way of doing it. I am very simple. I only take my two D20s that I'm using, because I always have two sets of dice, because I have to roll with advantage or disadvantage, and I'll put both D20s on the corner of my little dice rolling box, 20s up. That's it. I don't organize any of my other dice. I put them in a the little corner of the box, and I don't touch them. But... Zach, you have a very specific way of doing this. Well, yeah, and and so I'd
0: like to preface this with I'm not a superstitious person, and I understand that this is like you know there is no merit in this whatsoever. But I've got a lot of dice, um, and I want to use yeah, I want to use my dice. Like I I've gotten all these dice. You can get them on Amazon for like you know fifteen bucks for like a million. Yeah, exactly. So I've done that. I've got a million dice, and I want to you know I want to use them. So I I take them all out. I put them on the table, and then so I actually know what I'm reaching for, rather than just having a big pile of, of nothing to you know sort through every time I need to roll. I'll lay them all out in a in a specific fashion. So I'll have my d6s all in a row at the bottom. Above that, I'll have my d20s, and then uh, you know I'll place my d10s and my d8s depending on uh, what my damage die are that I'm using. Uh, I'll I'll get out 6d4s just to put them in a little a little hexagon because that's fun and then uh and i'll uh pull out maybe uh 1 to 3 d12s depending on how frisky i'm feeling that day. And then for all of the die, if i've got the time, i'll put them to their, you know, their highest value on the face uh just for fun cuz i want them to think they're winners. And so when i uh uh at, at at the beginning of a session too, i'll uh you know, i'll put the d20s to the test. The rest of them don't matter. You know, damage numbers are damage numbers, but i want to get those good d20 rolls. So we have a little contest, you know whatever d20s I've drafted for the session, uh, I roll them all at the start. I see, oh well, no you uh, you didn't roll high enough so we're, we're going to put you back in the bag, we're going to put you back in the bag all right, it's head to head. who's going to be my my advantage rollers today <laughs> and then uh you know we'll uh we'll do it that way. And, uh, you know, whoever gets the highest numbers. If anyone gets a nat 20, they're already, a, you know, a, a draft on the, <laughs> on the team. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, I usually have them all face up. So when I pick them up, I will, uh, you know, I'll roll them around. Because what I've noticed for D20s is if you leave them all on 20 and you just roll, I get such low numbers all the time. If you leave it on the 20 face and then just go ahead and roll, it almost <laughs> seems destined to land on a one. If you just do that, like you have to randomize it, uh, you know, shake it up real good and then give it a roll. And then it, both, it feels more fair. Like I'm not, uh, you know, trying to manifest a specific number. And then, uh, also it tends to work out for me.
1: Do you think because one and 20 are on the opposite side is why we roll them back to back so often?
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, that, that's a, that's a thought. And so if you use metal dice, it's even easier to like, oh, yeah, because yeah, they, they're much
1: less likely to roll all over the place. Um, I do have a specific way I set up as the as the DM. I use one set of dice every time. I have the... Um, they're actually dice you could all buy right now. They are the uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight Wild dice. They're uh, orange and purple. The Witchlight Carnival dice from the Wild Beyond the Witchlight set. Um, and then the Layer All Silver Hands uh, blue set of dice, I use those pretty consistently as well. I do have D20s that I swap in and out whenever I'm feeling it because I, ha- I like D20s a lot. Who doesn't? Um, and I do a similar thing to you, Zach. I have one small dice tray. Um, I keep a good usually 6 to 10 D6s in there, a couple of the other damage dice depending on what I've got left over and then I have at least two D20s at all times. Usually, they're just both of the Wild Beyond the Witchlight ones because I think those orange dice look cool, and they they do roll pretty well. But they often get on streaks of rolling low too, so like they're pretty fair dice, I would say. Um, so they're good DM dice because they're very fair. But beyond that, um, if I ha- I usually separate them in the dice tray to the best of my ability. And then whenever a roll comes up, I will either roll... Usually, I'll roll the d20s in the dice tray. If I'm rolling a bunch of extra dice, I'll roll it outside behind the DM screen and then put them back in the dice tray. And same as you, if I have time, I will turn them all to the highest-facing thing while I'm sitting around. Um, usually, I don't have time to do that, so I just keep them on whatever. And uh, very often, I will end up just taking dice out randomly when I feel like it. Um, if if I need more dice than what I have in the table, I pull open a dice roller on my phone and uh, I will do high monster damage rolls through that because I am not sitting there and rolling, like, you know, 10 or 12 d10s to, to have you guys do that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to type 12 d10, add the modifier, roll. Done. Um, and that's an easy way for me to do damage for, like, if a breath weapon goes off. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that my dice, specifically the ones I'm using right now, are very fair. I have a specific set of blue dice that I don't use as the DM anymore. I only use them as a player because I would roll so well with them. Like, historically, those dice roll very well, and so I don't use them as the DM anymore because I remember one time, I think I rolled two or three nat 20s in a row against the players and was like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'm not trying to kill you. I might have even at the time, it might have been in the time where I was like newer to DMing and I didn't always go with the dice perfectly, wink, wink, and I might have rolled a third nat 20 and been like, I can't do that. Yeah, I, I mean... So, it's just been like, no, it hits. I,
0: I'm definitely a proponent now that we've been playing for so long with let the dice decide, no fudging. Um, but three nat 20s in a row, it, it, it really depends on how your players are doing after that. Because yeah. two nat 20s, uh, most parties could survive that depending on where they're at. But three in a row, I feel like if I got a TPK against my players with a balanced encounter uh, due to three nat 20s in a row... I almost feel like my players might get salty and think, wow, DM, you really just... Uh, you fudged it in your favor so I, you can
1: get the win. I feel like you guys trust me enough to know I'm not going to do that and that if I did get three nat 20s in a row, it was all it was all luck. Because in no way would I plan for that. But nowadays, if I got three nat 20s in a row, I'd let it happen. I'd be like, yeah. And and realistically, you guys would not let me do it because you have so many ways to change my roles available to you that it's like, no, I, I mean... You wouldn't let it happen, anyways. Yeah,
0: exactly. We're we're a optimized
1: party. Yeah, exactly. But no one took the lucky feet. Surprisingly, yeah, because the lucky feet would be very fun, given your current party comp with all the portents and whatnot. Yeah, get on it, Drew.
2: Pyth. Now that was the original build. The original build was we were just gonna be total control and control all the roles that Seth could possibly roll on the table, and that way we just control the game. I was basically gonna be the DM, but from a wizard standpoint.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which is why I made a divination with wizard dragon. <sighs>
2: That was the worst. That was the absolute
1: worst.
2: <laughs> you know, when he pulled the port, when
1: when an enemy pulls out an ability that you have, it feels like he stole it from you, right? He definitely stole it from me. That that is a cool character, uh, like someone who like saps abilities or uses what you're doing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I do love the the idea of your you know your character, but slightly different, like um like Lanky Eric did in the in the convergence when we ran into Team C, which was just. Optimized us. Yeah, it was our team, (laughs) uh, but, you know, counterpicked. So, they're just like us, but they're slightly better.
2: (laughs) So, I know you guys have... You said you have a lot of dice. I would argue I may have the most dice You do. So, I love my dice. I love looking at them. Every once in a while, I'll take them out, I'll sort them, and I'll feel sad because I don't have full sets. I'm missing that one die, and it doesn't... You know, it's awful, right? But I realistically only use a few of my sets continuously or especially like if we're playing a one-off or you have a new character for a campaign i always go in selecting my dice for the entire campaign that i most likely won't swap and they're usually themed in some way so if i'm gonna play a ranger one of my dice sets has to be green it, it can't not be if i'm not using a green dice set, i can't you know i can't play ranger no of course not so like right now as pythe the divination wizard i have like a light blue kind of translucent set and i have like a, a darker blue and sometimes I'll swap, sometimes I'll swap it out for like a galaxy feel because it makes me feel very like space and time sort of a thing. Do you guys use a lot of theming with your dice?
1: Because for me, that's, that's like the biggest deal. Uh, personally, I don't really theme my dice. I use the same two sets of dice literally every single session, no matter what, pretty much. I don't really swap it up unless, like you said, I'm playing a brand new character. Uh, I But even then... I like just to have my specific dice, the one dice tray I carry around with me. I have a lot of dice that kind of just sit in my in one of my separate dice trays because those sets um, that I got all came with like their own little like velvet dice trays, and I have one that um, is full of all my excess dice, and then the one I have with my DM set where I can just like pull it out. This is the set that comes with me; it has all the dice I need. Sometimes I'll pull out my metal dice just to be like, I'm going to roll these because they feel good to roll. And then most of the time I'm just rolling the same two sets. So no, not a lot of theming on my end. So my,
0: uh, I don't, so yeah, I don't have as many dice as you drew. So I I don't necessarily have the, you know, the the need or, you know, I don't feel the need to, you know, switch it up. So I, I've got my whole cast of characters. It's like we're on a, uh, on a TV show or something. And it's like, ah, uh, you know. Uh, old reliable black and gray you've been with me since the start but you roll like ass but you know we'll we'll pull you in eventually um so as a player i always have my you know i think back about ah what was a really good crit that i got yeah red red and yellow red and yellow that uh that freaking white glove eric gave me yeah that's a good die we're gonna keep you around uh Orange die disappoints me so much, but it's my prettiest die, so I keep it around. Uh, and then, <laughs> they all have personalities. Yeah, yeah. And, and then there's blue. Blue's the crit fiend. If I'm really, if I'm really hankering for a crit, I'm like, uh, Oswin needs to do some damage. I feel like uh, I've missed half my shots
1: today. Then I'm gonna roll blue. <laughs> I know. I said you know, devil's advocate, superstition, whatever. Blue dice are the best. I don't. I don't care who you are. If you're a first-time D&D player and you want to roll crits all the freaking time, buy a set of blue dice. Specifically, not sponsored by Chessex. Uh, the blue, like the dark blue Chessex dice, white, uh, white, uh, freaking numbers, blue all the way around the outside, just solid blue. Those things. Me and Sean have that set of dice, and they roll like no other. They're so good. I mean, you're gonna roll ones every now and then, and that's always gonna happen no matter what die you have. But those those dice, they're so good.
0: Yeah, someone someone definitely put a blessing on them. Um I, you know, I do have one one bluish purplish die that rolls really well too. And it it's always that one and my my full blue die that compete. Um but the bluish purple one, uh I I believe I actually stole from Pat uh, oh. cuz he left it on the floor in our apartment one time and he didn't come uh, get it back, so I've just been using it this entire time. Uh, this is my confession, by the way, Pat. I'm using your die, uh, <laughs> but um, but they both roll really well, so I always put them head to head in the you know the pre session
2: uh, roll off to see who's gonna who's gonna get drafted for this nice. session. So, how quickly do you guys need? How long does it take? For you to bench one of your
1: dice, because for me, like I said, I continuously use being a, <laughs> a fitness enthusiast. Dice. I thought, how long would it take me to bench my dice? You know, like <laughs> bench press. <laughs> I was like,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know, it might take me a couple weeks, <laughs> but you know, with with
2: consistent training, uh, lots of exercise. <laughs> Go ahead, Drew. So, how long would it take you? To bench your dice, like how many bad rolls in a row do you have to have? Because me specifically, dice jail. yeah, like a dice jail, or you know, I like the I like the idea of benching it for what he was saying before with the sports analogy. But I don't have. I've seen it with you guys. You guys have these dice that roll incredibly, or they roll poorly all the time. I've experienced it. It's insane. I don't have one of those. I think I'm very balanced with my rolls, and sometimes I pop off, but it's pure luck. It's not the dice. So. How long will you guys go? Like, you mentioned you're going to bench your dice. You're going to jail your dice after, like, three nat 20s, right? How many nat 1s do you have to roll? How many 2s do you have to roll before you put it off to the side? For the
1: principle of the thing, I will... If I roll multiple nat 1s in a roll, I'll I'll set it to the side. Um, I mean, Patrick's a nat 1 fiend. He rolls nat 1s more than anybody I've ever met, and then he will be like, nope, switching dice. Put the die to the side, pick up another one, roll a nat 1. And <laughs> so... Uh, but also, he uses heavy weighted metal dice that he rolls the same every time. I have a feeling that he just has a talent for rolling that once.
0: yeah, you know, so and that's that's my personal thing, right? So we said, yeah it's probably easier to get the same number over and over with metal dice, but that number is always super low for me. like I've got a couple of really nice sets of metal dice. And they are bench warmers. I don't even bother taking them out of the bag. (laughs) Like, I dump it all out. I say, all right, get back in there, you. But they
1: make everything look so pretty.
0: Yeah. You know, I like them to weigh things down on the table if we need to. Yeah, weigh down the map. Yeah, if the mat's mat's bending, we'll just set them down there. But otherwise, useless because they always roll just the the worst. For me, I feel like... So, I'll never bench a, a die more than, like, a session. So... Uh, if I'm, you know, in the middle of a session and I say, oh, you're rolling pretty poor, we'll put you back in the bag. But you always get a chance at the next time. I'm not gonna, like, destroy my die. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, I've got I've got too many good memories. Even the bad rolls are good memories, so.
2: <laughs> so, I I agree. I, I can't bring myself to throw away a die. Um, you guys have seen me at the table. I am a believer in washing your dice off if you have too much bad luck on them. Sometimes you do need to get up. It's go never worked. Sink. It does. It, sometimes it works. Sometimes ne- it works. It's never it's, worked. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Sometimes you've rolled a couple ones, a couple twos. You walk over to the sink, get a little
1: soap, a little scrub dub dub in the tub, and you're good to go. I remember a time where you did that and you came back and you rolled just as badly. Well, that was a bad die. He <laughs> <laughs> was a bad sinner. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, you've, you all have heard just how uh, psychopathic I am about my, uh, you know, my dice theories. That's ridiculous. I don't believe that at all.
1: <laughs> it, it's worked for you once or twice, Zach. I've done it for you. I've I, seen those good rolls come out of it. I am very much of the fact that you can control your dice rolls, but um, you. I feel like we're all subconsciously controlling our dice rolls when we do it. Like, none of us knows we're doing it, but then when we roll um, a specific die, just the way it's oriented, the way our hands naturally move, we're, you know, prone to getting it with getting certain numbers with certain dice. And that is why we have these superstitions. Um, or they're magical. (sighs) It's definitely the magic. I think we have one more thing we need to talk about with dice though. And that's our, just the hilarious meme with Patrick and the fact that this man only buys (laughs) dice that you cannot read you. One feature of a die that you need is the the most important thing is that it should be easily readable because otherwise the game is going to go on forever while everyone waits for you to sit there and figure out what your die even says. Um, but Patrick has a talent for just finding the hardest to read dice that no anyone's ever seen. In our, we play in a dimly lit room to like make the environment. Normally the environment is a little more like serious, so we play in a dimly lit room. So whenever he goes and rolls this purple die that's made of metal and has like dark metal, like um like a darker steel or metal on the inside, he goes and rolls it, and it's just like some dark purple number I cannot see whatsoever. Uh, and I go, "What did you roll, Patrick?" And he goes, "Oh, that's a six. Oh wait, wait." Nope. Yeah, that's a nine, actually. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, Blah, blah, you don't hit. So, it's insane. And when Chase and I were in Austin, we found so many dice that we wanted to buy for him that were just impossible to read. They were beautiful. Probably the coolest-looking dice you've ever seen, and you can't tell any of the numbers that they have on them. And we were like, sir, Mr. Mr. Salesman, sir, can we can we please purchase one d20 from you and he's like no we only sell them in sets 60 dollars and i'm like okay i'm never coming back
0: (laughs) yeah i I mean so maybe uh if you want to get something out of this episode i mean we've we've really got on a journey uh through bidets hot dogs a bunch of other stuff um the 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 main takeaway yeah if you (laughs) this is the best episode you hear you heard it here first um if if you want to take something away from this episode, and you're you know you're looking for dice, maybe you're the dice bum. You, know, you always get someone to give you dice at the table. Um, you want to get your own? Just get the most generic ones because they're always very readable
2: and they're so good too. A lot of times, the generic ones are the ones that roll the best. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the cool colors though they help. They definitely do. My first set I ever no. had no, they. My first set I ever had was orange and blue. And you, but you could read it. They had white numbers, had white numbers. They rolled pretty good. I liked them. Felt good. It, it stimulated the brain to roll nat 20s every time. You know, it was good dice. Well, yeah, yeah dice. I'm okay with
0: pretty colors on the dice. You just have to have, like, a bold font, easily readable number. Because I'm blind. I mean, like, it, it, honestly, I do this for my own sake, right? Because I can't see a thing. I've never once read one of pat's die and the uh, chases <laughs> dice the same way his white ones it's yellow on white yellow numbers on white die no it's impossible <laughs>
2: Which I actually do, I do want to bring up, as, as a DM, because I haven't mentioned this today, uh, I do have one specific die that I really like to use, and everyone runs their table differently. Some people will hide their rolls, some people will do it on the table. Sometimes I like to roll on the table in front of the players, especially if it's a, a specific, intense roll, right? So I have one die that's actually larger, I think it's three times, four times as large as a regular die, and so I'll roll that on the table so everybody can see it. So there is no mixing up with a, th- a three with a four on Patrick's dice. It's very clearly, oh, that's an eight. You can see it across
1: the table. I really like rolling intense rolls in front of you guys, but with my same dice and being like, this is all legit, guys. This, is, this isn't this is a different die. This is the same thing I always roll. Boom, that's what it is. Um, as those suspenseful moments are fun, but we've only had like two or three times the whole 60-something sessions we've been playing that I've been like, this is a moment for me to roll in front of you guys, and then I do it. Which I love making that a rare occasion, uh, you know, using your dice wisely and being like, as the DM, keeping most of your dice rolls a secret, and then whenever that, you know, 20 sessions in, the really intense moment comes up, there's a character death about to happen or something like that, or like that one last hit that the, that the guy needs to miss or else, um, you know, it's end game for your party, boom, roll it in front of you, see what happens. 100 a good number. Oh, oh, you're the hero, hero of the table. Now... One one thing I just thought of that we need to bring up is um, dice ethics, dice manners, um, and by that I mean certain rolls we take, certain rolls we do not. Which ones do we not take, boys? Floor rolls, of course. Yeah, mm. we don't take floor rolls. We take anything that's on the table. If it's on there, we we take it unless it's cocked. Like if it's if it's you know leaned up against something, it's right in the middle. We'll let you re-roll. Um, otherwise, uh, if it rolls down on the floor and you get a nat twenty, sorry, you wasted it. Uh, and you can do that. You can waste your nat 20s. Um, they go away. You don't get them back after you roll them. No, no, no. They, they go away. You have a certain amount. Um, or it's like, it's like breathing or heartbeats, you know? You only have a certain amount till you die. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs>
0: I've never thought of that
1: before. Thanks for the
0: existential I, crisis, Seth. <laughs> I thought
1: about it at one point. I was like, you know, dude, I wonder, is there like a certain amount you get, you know? <sighs> it's not true. It's not how it works, well, unless, uh, unless it's a simulation. No, 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 no. But... I mean,
0: technically, it's true, right? Everyone's got a set amount that they've
1: got. Yeah, but do you start like does running like running in your heart rate, you know, going faster is that going to kill you faster or no? Mm. I don't think so. No, not. I have I have never. a pretty, I have a pretty slow heartbeat, like naturally, like a forty seven BPM ish heartbeat. So I'm gonna live a long time, hundred at least. <laughs> yep,
0: because that, that is how it
1: works. Just for Seth, though. Yeah. Um. But no, that's what that's what. Oh, freak. <laughs> etiquette yeah yeah dice etiquette, etiquette dice etiquette so yeah if it if it lands on the ground then uh no we don't take those floor rules any other dice etiquette you guys would bring up i mean you know be nice to other people's dice
0: <laughs> yeah dice trays are nice you don't need them oh but, my um, gosh but it's nice it, separation yeah don't be that player who just throws your dice across the table when you roll like Ugh. keep it contained because <laughs> i hate the player pick, who i hate picking up your dice
1: Yeah, like, if you go to roll two or three times and you're so stubborn that you do it the same way all three times, you throw it off the table. I have had multiple players do that, where they just, like, roll it, pick, uh, drop it, pick it up, roll it again the same way, goes off the table, pick it up again, do it a third time. All right, you should have learned something. You know? (laughs) (laughs) You've cheated
0: not only the game, but also yourself.
2: It's so irritating. So, I guess... A good question about etiquette I have now, because I wonder if I'm a rude D&D player now that I'm thinking about this. I have a lot of dice. We brought this up a couple times, but I don't like having too many dice on the table. It makes me uncomfortable, right? It feels cluttered. I can't focus on what's happening. It's just, there's too much. So I'll only have the two sets, but if I need more than those two sets of dice, so if I need to roll more than two D6 for fireball or something, I'm looking over to Zach. Hey, Zach, I need D6. Does that make me a rude D and D player? No.
1: No. So I think okay if you politely, I think if you if you mooch off some dice for like a big roll, it's fine. Um I think you should have the dice for things you're gonna be using consistently. So say if you are frequently casting fireball, you should have eight D six at the ready but I could just you know, nag Zach for it a couple times. Yeah, so, well,
0: you know, the only reason that I have 8d6 out because I lost my magic item that lets me cast Fireball. Uh, <laughs> the only reason why? I have all those d6 out all the time is because I know Drew's going to need some.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, I I mean, it depends. If you're a player with only one set of dice, who cares? It's fine. It's fun. It's D&D. Play whatever way you want. You, you motherfucker, as a DM <laughs> with a ton of dice, should have 8d6 out. You should have planned ahead what spells you frequently cast and be ready for them. That's too much. You've also got just this beautiful little dice
0: tray. It's like, you know, this wooden box. And you have
1: the most D6 out of anyone I've ever met.
0: I
2: only have a bag of 100, (laughs) sets. It's
1: only 100. He has 100 tiny D6s.
0: Which, you know, also talking about loaded dice, those are the perfect dice (laughs) for rolling stats because mine- Oh my
1: gosh, yes.
0: I, I stick to, you know, my same old, same old. And, you know, sometimes they do me good, but usually they do me wrong. Yeah. But- you know, for that one one shot, I said, all right, Drew, I'll bite. Seth gave me a mulligan. I'm going to – because we, we – of course, when we're rolling stats, we, we do one mulligan if you're – Yes, we can know. go
1: over that in another episode. Yeah, yeah,
0: of course. Uh, we may have already talked about it even. We've but...
1: talked about it, but I'd love to do a stats-based episode.
0: Okay, okay. Well, stay tuned for that. But I use your friggin' your, your tiny little D6s that I can't even read because they're so small. But they're perfect. <laughs> they're perfect for reading uh, or uh, rolling stats. Excuse me. geez. Jeez.
2: It goes against everything we just said. You can't read them; they're too small. They fall off the table. It's just too—they clutter everything. But they roll good stats, so you got to keep rolling them. But you don't have them out when, <laughs> when you need to roll a fireball. <laughs> but why would I have them out when you have plenty of d6sack right next to me, and they're all nicely arranged? You have an octagon; it's all good to go. I mean, that's true. You say, "Hey, I need
0: 6d6sack," and I say, "All right, I pick them up. I give them to you." There's no, there's no fuss, there, no must. no you know finding dice. I just. One swift motion. So that's nice. But it is
1: your job as a player to keep track of your dice. If someone takes home your dice and you didn't tell them, well, it's theirs now.
0: That's true. That's the, that's the law of the, uh, of the jungle there. <laughs> if you leave dice at the DM's house,
1: sorry, bud. They're the DMs.
2: Yep. <laughs> Unless you really need the... it. That's how I feel about the floor rolls that go into the couch. Don't even bother. It's oh my never gosh. coming back out. But ever. I
1: have my two specific sets. So if one of those goes missing, I'm like, I need that back.
0: Yeah, you know I'm a I am a little a little OCD about it too. Like if I lose a die, I know I lost a die, and I will search for it. But it's painful. La- yeah, last session it was a it was a travesty. I uh, I lost one D four to Trippy. No,
2: oh, no. <laughs> and Trippy it, Eric. Yeah, it's Drew's now, because you don't live there anymore, Seth. That's true. That's all. Oh, that's it. That was the whole plan. I forced Seth to move out so I could have your D four, Zach. <laughs> Trippy's a dog, by the way. I I feel like we shouldn't just
0: bring up, uh, you know, pronouns all the time. Yeah,
1: right? (laughs) And with that, I think this is a great spot to wrap up. Thank you guys so much for listening to Table Talk Friday, our episode all about dice, dice ethics, and how we use our own personal dice. Ambedays. Um, if you are looking for any more Table Talk Friday content, we got a backlog, baby. Go listen to it on, uh, all the way through from episode one if you want to. Those are a little less quality audio-wise, but pretty quality episodes advice-wise still. Um, otherwise, you can find us on Instagram, not Instagram, on Twitter, at Table Talk Friday. Um, where I tweet out a little little question with every single episode. Um, you can find us on TikTok at Table Talk Friday. We're putting out some clips, and we're going to start working on a couple of little other projects for our TikTok at the same time. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Table Talk Friday. They've got the same clips that we've got on our TikTok there. And you can email us. Friday at gmail.com if you've got any questions comments concerns inquiries or cool dice stories of your own do you believe in magic dice we apparently all do or do you do you not are you a l- little more of a realist out there in the world and with that can i have donny the dice man take me out yeah it's me
0: i'm donny the dice man in the yeah, anything you want, any of your dice needs. I got red dice, I got blue dice. Oh, but these come at a premium. You gotta buy them all in a set. They're sixty dollars, but they're the best dice you'll ever have. They'll roll net twenties all day long. You can uh, you can even have my green dice, but my green dice they don't roll too well. So you can you can have those for free. It, that, that's on the house. But anyway, uh, come on down, to the Donnie the Dice Man. I'll, uh, you know if, if you if, if you're real polite, I'll uh, I'll give you my dice for free. I just I just I want a friend. I want a friend. Actually, that's what I want.
2: Uh, thank you for listening to Table Talk Friday. For more information, advice, questions, comments, and concerns, you can email the boys at tabletalkfridaygmail.com. And if you'd like to uh, tell your own stories, why don't you hit them up there? Send an inquiry or something, a sending spell. Thank you very much for listening, and please follow and come back next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.